How's it going, everyone? You're listening to the West Coast Bible Teacher, and this is the show where we are teaching the Word of God, one podcast at a time. And it's time for our weekly 10-15 to minute Bible study. These are shorter studies that we do earlier in the week, which sort of serve as a supplement to our in-depth Bible studies. I post these studies on either Tuesdays or Wednesdays, although over the past couple of weeks it seems like I've been putting these up on Wednesday. Uh, But either way, it depends upon what my busy schedule allows. But this week, we're actually continuing where we left off last week. And uh, last week we were in Ephesians chapter 6, which is where we find Paul's proclamation concerning things pertaining to spiritual warfare. We covered last time Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13, where Paul exhorted his readers to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He made it clear that we are not to look at our present trials and difficulties from merely the physical standpoint, which so often we are quick to do, but rather we are to view all the challenges we face in life from the spiritual standpoint. For the Apostle tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There are no exceptions to this. All conflict and difficulty that we experience is being instigated and manufactured by the evil entities who are operating in the demonic realm under the direct authority of Satan. Demons, fallen angels, wicked principalities whatever you want to call them. The type of creatures that are often portrayed in horror movies. However, these beings are actually real, and far more cunning and ruthless than that which is portrayed in Hollywood. And these demonic entities are always there, but you can't see them. They're always hidden, for the most part. However, discerning Christians are able to recognize their attacks. Though we cannot see the demons and fallen angels operating in the spiritual realm, we can nonetheless detect their presence and the attacks that they throw out at us. And subsequently, we must recognize that these attacks that they're throwing out at us are designed with the primary purpose of throwing us off the path that God has for our lives. So when your co-workers at your job are gaining up on you and discouraging you, you must recognize that this is nothing more than a demonic attack, one that has been well-coordinated in the spiritual realm, all for the purpose of getting you to stumble in your walk with God. The schemes of the devil, as Paul the Apostle calls them, So Paul tells us that we are to stand firm in order to effectively resist the devil's schemes. But how does one stand firm? By putting on the whole armor of God. Thus we see where we pick it up this week, that the apostle lists every piece of our spiritual armor, all of which we are to uphold at all times. Paul writes, starting in verse 14, Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now it's funny. When I was growing up in the church, adults would often tell me, put on your spiritual armor. You know, put on your spiritual armor. But when I was a kid, I uh, never really understood what that meant. I remember that I knew this passage in Ephesians, but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what it meant to actually put on your spiritual armor every day. In fact, I actually thought that it meant reciting the different pieces of the armor out loud as if I was putting them on. So sometimes I would actually do that in the morning before I uh, started my day. When I prayed, I would start proclaiming out loud, you know, all right, Lord, I'm going to put on the belt of truth now, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, and I would say this out loud, and I even did hand motions to go along with that, as if putting on our spiritual armor is merely some... A recitation ritual that we're to engage in every day. That is not what it means to put on your spiritual armor. Rather, putting on the whole armor of God refers to the way in which we conduct ourselves each and every day. Paul starts out with saying that we are to buckle ourselves with the belt of truth. Our source of truth lies within God's word and the gospel of salvation provided for us in Christ Jesus. Therefore, it is essential that we put on this truth. I believe that putting on this truth can be viewed in two parts. First, we must be continually reminding ourselves of what the Lord has done for us. This is done through studying your Bible, going to Bible studies, Listening to audio sermons. Listening to my podcast, you know. <laughs> or many other wonderful Bible teaching podcasts that are out there. Listening to Christian radio. In doing these things, you are constantly seeking out God's revealed truth. And you're ingraining it within your heart and mind. You are putting on the belt of truth, you see. But then as you're seeking out this truth, and you're writing it upon your heart, as we've studied in uh, past podcast teachings, your behavior will start to change. The truth of God's revealed revelation will become a part of you, since it is being reflected within your everyday conduct and behavior. Thus, the truth is upon you in every facet of your life. You're wearing it just as you would a belt. The belt of truth. Now again, you're ingraining God's truth upon your heart and mind regularly, and this then affects the way you conduct yourself. One who's wearing the truth of God upon them like a belt will develop very upright and righteous behavior. So this then actually leads us to the next piece of spiritual armor mentioned by Paul, which is the breastplate of righteousness. 
A soldier who is not wearing a breastplate during battle will be open to all kinds of deadly attacks. Of course, a breastplate will cover one's heart, and any type of severe injury to the heart will result in one's death. You know, being stabbed in the heart, or nowadays, a bullet to the heart will instantly kill someone. Now, similarly, those who are living righteously, those who have put on the breastplate of righteousness, will be protecting themselves from some of the most serious blows that the devil can throw at them. Bad decisions will bring about consequences in life. Galatians six seven through eight tells us, "Do not be deceived." God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. You see, those who live unrighteously are opening up the door for all kinds of attack. You're basically giving the demonic entities in the spiritual realm a big green light to come and attack you. Your cover and protection is down. You're out in the open, and I'm sure that most listening to this can think of someone in their life who they know who has basically destroyed themselves due to unrighteous living, alcoholism, sex addiction, drug addiction, habitual anger, gambling. You know the list goes on and on. But those who are wearing the belt of truth should know better, for they also have on the breastplate of righteousness. You're living righteously unto the Lord, resisting temptation, and not even opening up the door for any type of temptation to come in. Now, in verse fifteen, we read that our feet must be fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. But what does this mean? There are two popular views of interpretation here. The first is that Paul is telling us to be equipped at all times with the readiness to proclaim the gospel and bring others to Christ. The second popular view is that Paul is speaking about the result of the gospel within one's life. And how one's response to the gospel and receiving Jesus Christ is what prepares them for then engaging in warfare with the enemy. One who does not have the Holy Spirit, who hasn't responded to the gospel, who hasn't been cleansed by the blood of Christ, is not ready to engage in warfare. Christians, on the other hand, have the spiritual authority. To engage in combat with the demonic forces of wickedness. So these are the two views, the two popular interpretations of what the gospel of peace is referring to. But I actually believe that we can perhaps pair these two views together into one firm understanding of the gospel of peace. Those who have responded to the gospel message. Now have the Holy Spirit, and thus they are firmly grounded and ready for combat. 
and part of combat with the spiritual forces of evil involves the readiness of preaching the gospel, winning souls for Christ so that Satan and his minions are unable to bring these souls down to hell with them. So thus we see the importance of equipping ourselves with the gospel of peace. Now in verse 16, the apostle tells us to take up the shield of faith. And there's much that can be said about this. The shield of faith is meant for us to quench all the fiery arrows of Satan. The many attacks that the enemy is throwing our way. The demonic forces of wickedness will do everything that they can to get you off of the path that God has for your life. Now, God will protect you to a significant extent. You see, if the demons had it their way, we'd all be dead, you know. But God and his angels are protecting us and are putting limitations on what Satan and his army are permitted to do to us. But this means still that these entities are allowed to attack us up to a certain point. And in order to protect ourselves from the attacks that the Lord does allow us to experience, we got to keep up our shield of faith. Faith that God will get us through the trial we're going through. Faith in God's word. Faith in God's promises. Faith that God will work out all things together for good for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purposes. Our faith is what will keep us hanging on and moving forward strong, even when things appear to be hopeless and lost. Remember, we've talked in past podcast teachings about the peace that surpasses all understanding. This comes after you've prayed to the Lord about your struggle, and you now have the faith knowing that the Lord will guide you and will help you through your situation. So I would actually suggest that the shield of faith is very synonymous with the peace that surpasses all understanding. Knowing and trusting that the Lord will deal with our difficulties and problems will protect us from developing the habitual anxiety, anger, or frustration that can lead one off of the path that God has put them on within their life. It's a shield, you see. The shield of faith. And then, of course, we have the helmet of salvation, which is very similar to fitting our feet with the gospel of peace. We must always remember who we are as those who have attained salvation in Christ. Remember who you are in Christ, especially when the temptations of this world are pulling at you, nagging at you. Paul actually wrote at the beginning of the fourth chapter of Ephesians, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. We must never forget what it means to be one who has attained salvation. It means that you are a follower of Christ, and you therefore must live as Christ lived. Upright, holy, 
righteous. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, who are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, within this fascinating passage in Romans, Paul describes what has taken place when one has received salvation. We must understand the significance of salvation. And that is what it means to put on the helmet of salvation. Understanding what has taken place during the process of salvation should prompt us to therefore walk in newness of life. Walk worthy according to that which you are called. The final thing, of course, is the sword of the Spirit, which Paul says is the Word of God. When Jesus was being tempted by Satan out in the wilderness, he quoted God's Word multiple times in order to uh, resist the devil's enticements. And you see, Jesus had God's word ingrained upon his heart and mind. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. We've talked about this in past teachings. When you continually study the word, and you're constantly filling your mind with scriptures, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, will be firmly rooted within your thought process at all times. And therefore, when the demons devise a scheme to entrap you with a lust or a sinful enticement, you'll be very able to quickly resist such entrapments because the truths of God's word will immediately fill your mind. Scriptures will go through your head. You'll be convicted immediately of whatever it may be that Satan's trying to uh, get you with. Filling your mind constantly with the Word of God will thus result in you being equipped at all times with the sword of the Spirit. For the sword of the Spirit is God's Word. And we need the Word of God now more than ever to fight against the incredibly cunning entrapments that the demons have uh, set up all around us in this day and age. And of course, all pieces of the armor are important for us to maintain and uphold in the times that we're living in. So I would encourage you all to actually read through Ephesians 6 yourself. Study it. Get a variety of good Bible commentaries and tools by your side. Pray about it. And then apply what you learn to your everyday Christian walk. Put on your spiritual armor. I would encourage you to do this. And this definitely turned out to be more than a 10 to 15 minute Bible study. <laughs> oh well. 
<laughs> I'm trying to keep these in the 10 to 15 minute range, but hey, this is important stuff. So with all this in mind, this has been the West Coast Bible Teacher, everyone. God bless you, and I'll see you all on Friday for our study in numbers.